Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Monday, November 7th, 2022. I'm one of your hosts, Blessing, Adelia Jr., and I'm joined by the LaCroix Poppy himself, a.k.a. my fellow Forbes 30 under 30, a.k.a. Tim Ma fucking and gettys let tim host bless oh very excited to be here with you today how was Hell your yeah. weekend you know i had a long day yesterday oh, okay yeah uh Good you long? know uh you know it was 25 hours instead of 24 hours the clocks rolled back gotcha so the hey! Daylight said, hey! Hey! That's, that's right time, that's right? right hopefully I think. is that i forget what the what the whole conversation was is it that we're not falling back anymore or we're not springing for like when when is the last time I are we stuck know. in this this time, time paradox forever? that's a good question i yeah. think i think so is this i forever? think this is forever <laughs> cuz i will say i know it's, it's there's controversy around it right because right now we just ended daylight savings which means that it's going to get darker earlier which I dig because I wake up at 7, and I like waking up to sun as opposed mm. to waking up to darkness like I have been doing for the last couple months. And so I dig that. But I think the consensus for people is that, no, we want more time in the day. We want mm. the day to last longer. Chat, let us know. Put, put up a poll. Yeah. Do you prefer daylight savings or non-daylight savings time? Let, let us know. I want to see what the results are, are yeah. there. You want sun on the, 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 the front end or the back end? Yeah, you like, <laughs> you like the front end or the back end. <laughs> Tim, how was your weekend? My weekend was utterly fantastic. Oh. I got to just chill. I got to sleep a lot, hang out with the pups, watch a whole bunch of TV, caught up on... I never saw White Lotus, season one. Mm-hmm. And in the last week, I we caught up on all of season one, and now we're caught up on season two. What a fun show on HBO, mm-hmm. let me tell you. Let me tell you. But what I did even more importantly is I caught up on a little thing called Pokemon, the animated series. Oh. Let me tell you. I'm going to keep this quick because we have quite the show today. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm going to be talking about this in other places, but I need to talk to somebody. I'm happy I'm doing the show with you today, Bless, mm-hmm. because Pokemon is doing something right now that is so incredibly cool and so special that we might next week have a moment on our hands of a culmination, a, an Avengers Endgame moment in Pokemon where Ash might finally become the very best like no one ever was. They are in the Masters Tournament right now, where it is the eight greatest trainers of all time, champions from all the different regions, facing off against each other. And we are in the finals. And it is Ash versus Leon. The stakes could not be higher right now, Bless. After all the 25-plus years of him journeying, going to all the different regions, losing countless times, he did win a region a couple Mm -hmm. seasons ago. And because of that win, he was invited to this tournament. So it's mm. all region winners that are competing against each other. The Alolan uh, region, right? Exactly. And it is so hype how they're building this up right now where we're going into this final episode, and it was a six-on-six six battle, epic proportions. You guys should go check it out. But we're going into this, and it is Ash's Pikachu versus Leon's Charizard and a Cinderace. And it's like, is Ash going to pull this off or oh, not? Oh, shit. They have the underdog story going right now. He is set to win, bless. I he, You you have me excited about this. I want to know, like, what does catching up mean for you? Like, are you watching just certain seasons, certain episodes? I just I, I went back, and I, I just watched. Because 
this season was entirely the tournament, essentially. Okay. Like, it was just all the so different matches. So it's just this, this season you're watching? Because I'm trying to figure out where yeah. I can jump in because oh, you yeah. sold no, no, no. me. You can just jump in just in, in any point this season. Like, if there's trainers like, oh, I want to see Lance fight, you can just watch Lance fight. But you got to watch. The final mm. fight of Ash versus Leon is four episodes. For one fight. God damn. And it's fucking so That's sick. some Dragon Ball Z shit Dude, right there. Uh, I need to talk to you more about this later. I, I can't believe how they're pulling this off because it mm-hmm. is so damn cool. And the big question is, no one knows, is Ash going to win or lose? If he loses, it's just a eh, goes on to another season and it's going to be the same thing over and yeah. over. But if he wins, I think that they're, he's going to be done. And I think he'll just become not the protagonist of the anime anymore and, and just be like a mentor or like a special cameo thing. Interesting. Which is so exciting because, dude, they built this up. If they fuck this up and don't give it to Ash, they'll never ever. This is like have some WWE shit too. Dude. Where it's like it could. Because here's the thing: Ash is a loser. <laughs> this man loses every single no. fucking time. Yo, okay, I'm going too long on this already, mm-hmm. but let me just tell you: you're so right that this man loses. The team he has right now, it's not a losing team. Mm-hmm. He has the best team of Pokemon right now. They're actually skilled. He's actually a skilled trainer. Like, okay. it's such a different landscape than what we remember. Anyways, I'm super hyped. Next Friday in Japan, it's coming out. I'm extremely excited to watch this. I might record my reactions even. Oh, I'm, shit. Let me tell you. Is it like, are you watching subbed? Like, are, uh, Yeah, I was watching subbed. Damn, I'm that's sitting, that serious. I'm what what is my, this on? Um, I, I just found it on the internet. No, somewhere. don't worry about oh, it. Okay. 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 On the Steam Deck <laughs> yeah. where you can get games. Exactly, exactly. But I was like freaking out. I'm sitting here. I'm watching this thing like it is a sports event. Like I'm sitting here mm. like, let's go. Come on. And then like someone gets knocked out. I'm like, fuck. God damn, we got this though, bro. We got this. Oh my God. So I'm rooting for you, Ash. Hell yeah, Tim. Take I'm, it home. You got me excited about it. I'm probably going to check it out once I get home. But enough about that. Let's talk about today's stories, which include a Sonic Frontiers review roundup, Final Fantasy 16 controversy, and more, because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. It's your weekday at 10 a.m. live right here on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games and Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to KindOfFunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games, or you can listen later on podcast services around... The globe by searching for Kind of Funny Games Daily. Remember, you can use Epic Creator Code Kind of Funny on all Epic Store and Epic in-game purchases like Rocket League and Fortnite to help support the channel. To be a part of the show, head to kindoffunny.com slash KFGD to write in with your questions, squad-ups, and more. And remember, patreon.com slash kindoffunny will get you the show ad-free plus a bevy of bonus content. Housekeeping for you, we have another KFFL doubleheader today. What was that, Bert? Don't worry about it. No, no, not worrying about it. Sorry. You're kind of funny. You're kind of funny. 49ers will be taking on the Chiefs and the Rams. Will quarterback Nick Scarpino defeat Father Time? Will Greg Miller stop being useless and sack the quarterback? Find out today, right after Kind of Funny Games Daily. <laughs> Look at this. Look at how much fun Andy and Snow Mike might be having. Just chilling on this empty plane. If you're watching the video version right now, they're chilling on an empty plane. I'm sure talking about the snacks that they're going to eat. Yeah, they're flying over to their uh, the the game, right? They're pro- mm. flying over they to the game. Double, they had a double header, so they had to they had to cover one game and then fly to the next game. I love that. Good for them. What, what, what drink do you think they're ordering on the plane? I go ginger ale when I'm oh, on the plane. Of course, ginger ale. It's the the drink of the sky. Whatever plus. weird drink Mike loves, you know. I wonder what Mike's opinion on ginger ale is because I can see him just being the oh bro I get oh, down on ginger ale all the it's time. It's his egg face, like the, yeah, he's putting the napkin. Oh, on he's the like ginger ale. ginger ale. I feel like jabroni. I, I'm not eating ginger ale. Nah, he's a ginger ale fan. I'm, I'm hoping, and if he's not, something's wrong. Hold on, how do you figure out? Because yesterday I was trying to go get uh, chicken sandwiches. Right, there's this place in Oakland I love called Hot Boys. It's the best chicken sandwiches I've, I've ever had. Uh, I was trying to get Mike to come through, come out, uh, come through to get some chicken sandwiches with, with some people, and he responds. Oh, no, he didn't even say it to me. He told it to another person I was trying to convince him. He says, I'm not a chicken sandwich jabroni. 
What does that mean? Fuck, I'm not man. a chicken sandwich jabroni. We really need to talk. Is what Mike says. <sighs> crazy, crazy man. Crazy man. Uh, thank and you. I don't even believe that. He just didn't want to hang out. He just didn't want. He just he didn't want to hang out. It Mike was doesn't fine. want to hang. Just say, just say, oh, just say, man, Oakland's far. You know, <laughs> just say that. Just I'm say down. It. Yeah, you know, you know, you know what I mean, Barrett. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Morgan Lorraine, Fargo Brady, Christopher Rodriguez, the Kind of Funny Destiny 2 PC Clan, Tall Tree 81, Joseph A. Carlson, One Up Pest Control, Carrie Palmer, Elliot, Brian Cheney, Trevor Starkey, Super Daddy Kyle, Undertopian, David Mindtel, the Mind Freak, Eric Velasquez, Scotty Wyatt, Alex Greedle, Al Treisman, Jason L., James Davis, aka at James Davis Makes, Mick at the Nail Biologist Abramson, Ryan T. from Tennessee, Derek Gregg, and Donald Eccles. Today we're brought to you by Factor, MeUndies, and Shady Rays, but we'll tell you about that later for now. Let's begin with what is, and forever will be, the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have nine stories today. A baker's dozen. Starting with our number one. Did that scare you too, Tim? Because that scared me. No, no, no. I was prepped for that one. Let's start off with our number one. Sonic Frontiers Review Roundup is now available for you. Of course, the embargo is up. We reviewed it. Kind of funny games cast that is up right now. That is me. That is Tim. That is Mitchell Saltzman from IGN, who you know is the Sonic guy. He's been uh, doing the Sonic Frontiers coverage uh, with the IGN first with all the uh, original gameplay reveals, all that stuff. He's been covering it for IGN. So he's the I, he's the Sonic guy right now. We got him on the games cast review along with me. I played through all of it. He's played through all of it. Tim has gone around to touching it now. This weekend I played after the review, which everyone should go check out, youtube.com slash games. It was an excellent games cast with the three of us i was kind of asking you guys questions about where you're at with it all i played for about two hours and I, i'm not i don't think i'm gonna finish this oh, one oh, yeah man, it breaks my heart there's something about it bless that it, like the jank is just a little too much for me and there's just a like i'm so about feel of things and like i was teased mm. with those those sweet sweet words of tony hawk like mm. oh it's like tony hawk's pro skater no it's not it's not, oh, it's not. Okay. i understand why people would say that in terms of like what you're doing in terms of the rhythm and momentum it doesn't feel right for me I'm happy it feels right for you. Let's see if the internet agrees. Right now, Metacritic has it sitting at a 73, and it is sitting at a 74 on OpenCritic. Travis Northup at IGN gave it a 7 out of 10 and says, Sonic Frontiers is a delightfully weird and experimental evolution of the Sonic games so many of us grew up with. Its series of open-world islands are filled with so much variety and pieces of Sonic history. From classic platforming stages to silly minigames that they're enjoyable to explore even when awful graphical pop-in is a constant hedgehog spine in your side. Some of the new stuff Frontiers tries out, like the smart toggling between 2D and 3D perspectives out in the open world or the cyberspace levels, are fantastic ways to pack as much Sonic goodness as possible into one package, while others, especially combat, are uninteresting experiments gone wrong. Still, I largely enjoyed my time running around in Frontiers, making it feel uh, like a very promising first attempt at what could be a bright new era for Sonic and friends. Brian Shea at Game Informer, gave it a 7.75 out of 10 and says, Though it's rough around the edges, Sonic Frontiers is the best 3D Sonic game in years. This first attempt at the open zone concept is an admirable effort, and I can't wait to see how Sonic Team iterates on this formula in, the, in future entries, but it's obvious this is not the formula's final form. For now, Sonic Frontiers stands uh, as a solid first foray into a brave new world for Se Sega's speedy mascot. And then Blessing, that's me, I kind of funny, gave it a 3 <laughs> out of 5 uh, and had this to say in a TikTok. Roll the clip. Video game that I love like a 5 out of 5 video game. In traditional 3D... 
Sonic Frontiers is a 3 out of 5 video game that I love like a 5 out of 5 video game. In traditional 3D Sonic fashion, the game is filled with questionable design decisions, shockingly rough polish, and pop in that'll make you question if you're even playing on a PS5. That said, it's also the most fun I've had in a 3D Sonic in over a decade. I kid you not, I played over 20 hours of Sonic Frontiers, and I could play 20 hours more. The setup of the game is like if you took Mario Odyssey's open levels, the large-scale battles of Shadow of the Colossus, and the calm tone of Breath of the Wild, and injected it with Sonic bullshit. As messy as the final product <laughs> is, I couldn't get enough of it. That's because Sonic Frontiers nails one thing, fun. The game's big new shift in Sonic's gameplay loop is where it succeeds the most. The open zones are filled with platforming challenges, bite-sized Sonic levels, environmental puzzles that constantly lead you to your next goal. You can't take two steps in any direction without hitting a rail taking you to a collectible or an enemy encounter putting to test Sonic's expanded moveset. Sonic locks on and parries like he's straight out of a Dark Souls game now. The star of his moveset is the side loop ability, allowing you to loop around enemies to break their defenses. Sonic Frontiers is the kind of refresh that 3D Sonic has always needed. It's only hampered by execution that's often shaky, and gameplay decisions that are at times baffling. The fast travel system is a mess. Some of the bosses can be more annoying than fun. Navigating the third big map in particular is a pain, and the list goes on. Despite it all, even though it's far from a video game masterpiece, Sonic Frontiers can be a really fun time if you're a Sonic fan. You can hear more about it on the Kind of Funny Games cast, but for now, you should know. Thank you so much for that, Barrett. This is one of those ones where uh, writing the TikTok review, usually those come very naturally to me. Usually I can I can knock out a TikTok review like that. This was the most difficult TikTok review to write. Like halfway through, I hit up Roger, and usually you know our limit is one minute, right? We try to hit, hit that TikTok one minute. Uh, and I hit up Roger, and I was like, how would you feel about a two-minute review? Because I got a lot to say, uh, to say about this thing, because it is one of those games that I would say has pretty high highs and then pretty low lows. Um, but Tim, seeing the Metacritic, seeing the, um, the reviews out there, like what is your response is this expected oh yeah I, I think that this is like right where i expected the game to be i'm at, at the end of the day i'm most happy that you enjoyed it as much as you did because mm -hmm. i know how much this game like looked like it was going to speak to you and it sounds like it did like I, you say this is a three out of five but to you it feels like a five you love it like a five out of five yeah. like that is such a great thing that i love video games can be because especially sonic games like they're a weird thing but like if you know them and love them you know them and love them and that's not going to change i love that sega kind of took a big swing on this one i feel like it definitely was maybe a little bit too ambitious and personally to me this is the direction i don't really like to see sonic go um i've always been more of a 2d sonic person and even then with the 3d i prefer the kind of unleashed style boost boost uh mechanics that we mm -hmm. see in generations and stuff that we get a bit here but even then i from the two hours i played i don't know two three of the cyberspace levels which are essentially those they don't feel right they they feel kind of like um, the, the play style of the open world bits and I was a little let down mm -hmm. by that but I imagine if you keep playing through that it starts to feel a lot more cohesive maybe not I don't know <laughs> yeah I and mean, once you once you start upgrading your speed and upgrading <laughs> upgrading your sonic right which is the thing that you, you, I've rarely gotten to say over the years because it's usually not that kind of game I think that stuff does kick in the gear even though the cyberspace levels don't change the cyberspace levels I believe for the most part your up the way you upgrade your sonic doesn't really affect, doesn't affect that. those yeah um, but I do think the levels get intricate and interesting in ways that i like right they are short they are bite-sized these aren't you know five minute long sonic levels these are two minute long at most right 45 or two, yeah 45 seconds long uh you know at least um and it hits the, this like sweet spot of 
replayability where it is all right there are four objectives you are trying to hit this um uh, s tier time you're trying to collect this many rings by the end of the level you're trying to collect the five red rings that are hidden throughout the level and i say hidden in quotes because not that they're not that hidden um and you know the, after you beat them all right i think it then becomes about all right cool now how fast can you beat this thing mm -hmm. and i think that's the aspect of those levels that uh i dig while at the same time getting to have my cake and eat it too where the open world stuff is very much hey it is Pretty much like Mario Odyssey. You are collecting collectibles left and right. You can go any direction, do whatever uh, platforming challenge you want, and that's going to lead you to something. The quality there wavers a lot, right? I even, like, I, I use the words Mario Odyssey lightly because I'm not saying that in quality or in polish, right? I'm purely saying that in the fact that How much is it is out open. there to do? Every, exactly. Every single screen has some new thing you can get. In the same way that in Odyssey, there was moons everywhere you exactly. went. Exactly. Like, yeah, I'm with you where it's like there were elements that I was enjoying um, with it. I think the music is cool. It's very unsonic, but we heard it even in the TikTok. There's a lot of like drum and bass going on, yeah. and it's it's kind of fun and exciting, and it it's, it fits the the speed uh, of Sonic, but it also lacks i think the sonic charm in terms of music where when it's not that it's kind of just more breath of the wild type music that like i i don't vibe with yeah. when it comes to to sonic and um something about this game that i want to say it, that's in direct opposition to how i felt about god of war and i know to compare god of war and sonic seems silly in many ways but the two game of the years yeah, exactly yeah. exactly the two biggest games but, of the but playing god of war uh, i said in our review that like every time i'm doing something i'm so excited i'm doing it but i also can't wait to do the next thing whether it's combat whether it's story whether it's puzzle i'm always excited at the pacing that we're Mm -hmm. Playing through Sonic Frontiers, the bit that I did, everything I was doing, I was like, oh, man, I want this to be over and get to the next thing about mm -hmm. every single thing. <laughs> like, wow. Whether it's the cyberspace or then going to the open worlds. And I think that it comes down to tightness. The game doesn't feel tight. And I'm not even talking about from a polish or jank perspective. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about just how it feels. And to me, even the cyberspace levels feel not tight. And so the mm -hmm. trial and error of like, let's go and get all the, the red coins. Like you said, they're not hidden at all. The challenge isn't finding them. The challenge is getting them because like the floatiness of the controls is fighting against you. Mm. I want to bring in this question from Amy Antos, who writes in economy.com slash KFGD, just like you can, and says, what's up, Tim and Bless? With Sonic Frontiers currently having a Metacritic score of, I guess, 76 as of the time he was writing, uh, are you satisfied with uh, what Sega has done to revamp the series? And would you want a sequel or prefer Sega to go another direction for the next Sonic installment? And I think me and you might differ here, because I can't wait to see what Sonic Frontiers 2 is, right? Like, I want more of this. I want them to uh, take this and totally double down on it and polish it and actually make it what I think it can achieve, which and then during our review, you know, we were talking about how if, you know, Sega listened to my pleas <laughs> and delayed this game for like a year or two, right? And really went in, really, you know, ironed out the pop in, you know, figured figured out how to like make the level design a, a bit more interesting, right? Even even things like theming, right? So many of the, so many of the big open maps are just, hey, these are just green hills, right? These are just b b green plains, and it's like, wow, can we not? We can do something more with this, right? We can we can be more inspired with this. I think if they took all the feedback that they're probably getting right now through these reviews then you might have a truly excellent game uh, on their hands because I do think that this direction could be the future of Sonic. But at the same time, I do want them uh, to give, give us like the Sonic Manias of the world too, right? If I can get a Sonic Frontiers and then right afterwards get a Sonic Mania 2 and then get like a Sonic racing game that's fun as well and have that rotation going, I think Sonic can have um, something special in that, uh, in that uh, game release uh, rotation. But um, I, that does require them actually 
taking their time and actually polishing this to the to, to the extent that people want. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I do think that there is a model here that works um, for Sonic and for the Sonic gameplay. It's not the type of thing I like in the same way that I don't really vibe with the adventure games or the the more like open 3D games. And it again comes down to the way that it feels and controls. Um, but for me, it's more looking at the again. I like the boost stuff, and I feel like the boost stuff in this game is so borderline lazy where you look at it and you're like oh okay these are maps we've seen before but it doesn't feel like in a fun nostalgic way it kind of just feels in like a oh man well literally the open world stuff is just a green green fields and that's all that it is it's not even mm-hmm. like a green hill zone it's just green fields so for these ones oh yeah this one kind of looks like chemical hill zone this one kind of looks like the rooftop run from unleashed this one kind of looks like green hill zone whatever and it's just like it, it just feels like even those things where they could have limitless creativity, they just don't. Mm-hmm. And that bums me out a lot because that's the stuff I enjoy more. I am interested in what future Sonic games are going to be. Will the next Frontiers double down in like, it's this and this? Or do they just do a lot more of the open world stuff and kind of let the boost mechanic stuff be its own game again? Mm-hmm. I want to I want to address something that I saw in chat, right? Because somebody was like, man, I, I, uh, I think Sonic is only getting this high of a Metacritic because it's Sonic the Hedgehog. And there was somebody who wrote in to KindOfFunny.com with a question regarding that, uh, but I didn't uh, include it because there was Amy Antos' question. And I want to go back and like actually look at what Sonic Metacritics are, because I don't think that's true, right? Like, I'm looking at the Sonic Forces Metacritic, and that has a 57, which I'll put that game at around a 57 on Metacritic as well. Sonic Boom has a Metacritic of 32. I feel like if you look at most of the 3D Sonic Metacritics, they're actually pretty bad, and I don't think I don't think the Sonic name is what's helping uh, uh, boost this thing. I think if this game had <laughs> Balan Wonderworld as the... If this, if this was what ba- Balan Wonderworld was as opposed to what Balan World ended up being, right? Like... I think you put a different IP name on this on Sonic Forces, and it'll probably still get the same scores. Because I think people are enjoying. I don't think so. You don't think so? You think (laughs) it's getting a Sonic boost? I do think it's getting a Sonic boost. Um, I don't think it's getting too big of a boost, but I I do think that. And and again, you said it in your own review. Mm. It's like you take the this, you take the that, you add some Sonic bullshit. The Sonic bullshit is undeniable. Yeah. Like, but the Sonic bullshit is why it's a three out of five for me, right? Like the Sonic bullshit is what brings it down. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like the Sonic bullshit could mean multiple things, and I think that it does boost it a bit in in terms of what you're looking for in the game. But again, it does that though. It has Sonic, so it's like we mm-hmm. can't take that out of the review because. That, being like, oh man, if it was not a Sonic game, if it was Balan Wonderworld, it'd be different. It's like, well, it's not. If it was Balan Wonderworld, it'd be characters we have no investment in, music cues we have no investment, looks and vibes and worlds. So it's I, like, I think if if this is what, what Balan Wonderworld was, we would go, oh damn, this Balan game actually has some stuff going for it. Can you believe how big these levels are? Could you believe how much stuff they have jack packed or jam packed in here in terms of collectibles? Like, can you believe how how fun these 2D levels can be? I do think that there's like a lot of qualitative things here that actually makes it stick as a video game that are outside of the Sonic IP. Of course, the Sonic IP I think is what it's going to give it sales, but I don't I don't I don't know if I'd say that contributes to it towards its, its metacritic. Yeah. 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 We shall see how this goes in terms of are you guys going to buy it? Are you guys going to play it? Are these review scores going to stick as more reviews come out? We shall see. For now, Let's hop into story number two. John Wick could get a big AAA video game. This is Vicky Blake at Eurogamer. It looks like a big-budget game adaptation of the John Wick movie franchise is on the way. As spotted by IndieWire, Lionsgate's CEO recently addressed investors and confirmed that the team was, quote, fielding proposals about a AAA John Wick game to expand the multi-million dollar series beyond Hollywood movies. Although no concrete details were shared, John Feltheimer said that Lionsgate, quote, believe there is a big AAA game to be made out of John Wick, 
but didn't want to say anything more right now. Quote, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but we believe there is a big AAA game to be made out of John Wick, Feltheimer told investors. Quote, we, ha we have been fielding proposals. We certainly are interested in moving that forward, but I don't want to say anything more about that at this time. End quote. Tim, is this a get hype moment for you? Oh, yeah. I mean, potentially, right? I feel like you just need to find the right partner. You could start with the big dogs, the naughty ones. You mm. know what I'm talking mm. about? Woo-wee! Can you imagine a Naughty Dog John Wick game? I I doubt we're ever going to see a Naughty Dog IP game at this point. Yeah. Like, their whole thing is they want to make their own, and that's great, fantastic stuff. But, man, that game would be really, really freaking cool. Um, but I do think there's been a ton of teams that have come up in recent years that can handle this. And what I actually would want to see is maybe have this John Wick game be a rock-steady moment with Batman Arkham Asylum for one of the those studios that we've heard about that kind of just started that we're excited to see. Like, That's No Moon or something like that, yeah. where it's like... Um, bunch of AAA uh, devs working together, starting a new studio. What's their first project going to be? I think it'd be really cool if I'm blanking on other names right now, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, like, like one of the like the we've been seeing a, a big, um, uh, you know, a big swirl of like AAA developers come through of people who left other big AAA developers that were under big publishers, right? Because they either didn't like what those environments were, or they just wanted to make something brand new and cool, right? And so you come through and you make big, uh, big AAA studios, and so many of them are question marks in terms of what they're working on. And I could see, yeah, I could see a John Wick game being that for one of them, right? That uh, Batman Arkham moment. Uh, I think there, there's a list of developers I would love to see work on a John Wick game. Like, Remedy comes to mind. Um, I think, you know, obviously they're in that similar Naughty Dog place of they have a lot of shit that, that, uh, yeah. that they're doing uh, with both, like, Control and uh, Alan Wake. But I think if you, were to, if you were to give a John Wick game uh, to them, I think they could rock it. Uh, Barrett was just, was just pulling uh, Sifu footage. I think Slow Clap would be a great studio to work on a John Wick game. I don't consider them AAA necessarily. That's, that's the but... interesting thing. But, I mean, maybe that's the opportunity, right? Like, uh, Slow Clap proved themselves with Sifu. And give them a bit more budget, give them that IP of John Wick, which, again, is not the biggest IP in the world. So I think that it's a bit more obtainable. And hearing um, them talk about it here with Lionsgate CEO, they understand the value of video games. They understand the value of their property. So mm -hmm. I think it's kind of a potential perfect storm to be like, hey, slow clap. Like you, you, we're taking the next step now, you know, and like they could really pull something special off. One thousand percent. Tim, speaking of adaptations, story number three, Gran Turismo, the movie, adds Jimon, is it Hounsu, Hounsu, uh, and Ginger Spice. This comes from Adam yeah, Bankhurst at IGN. Sony's Gran Turismo film has added Academy Award-nominated actor Jimon Hounsu and Spice Girls' uh, Jerry Hollywell Horner, uh, who was known as Ginger Spice in the group to the cast. As reported by The Hollywood Reporter, uh, Hounsu and Hollywell Horner uh, will be playing the parents of Archie Mataquay's uh, character, a teenager and avid Gran Turismo player whose skill won him a series of Nissan competitions and helped him turn into a professional driver. Last seen in PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale. Wait, really? No. Oh, okay. I was, no, I was, no. I was like, did they have a Gran Turismo car in <laughs> no. that game? Holy shit. Uh, Hounsu uh, earned Academy Award nominations for his work in America in Blood Diamond, and he will soon be seen in Shazam, Fury of the Gods, in Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon. Halliwell Horner was part of the Spice Girls, the group that sold over 100 million albums and became the best-selling female group of all time. Her husband is a former racer and is now a principal of Red Bull's Formula One team. Uh, she is also an author. The Gran Turismo film is set to race into theaters on August 11th, 2023. Hell yeah. I feel like the more that comes out about this movie, the more I'm like, ah, yeah, you know what? I'm going to give this a watch. This is Bruh, pretty exciting. I've been there since day one, man. I'm excited for it. I think it could be cool. The pitch sounds really stupid, but 
Uh, there's something about Gran Turismo that is just such a blank slate almost as a movie where it's just a racing movie. Mm-hmm. Racing movies inherently have a cool factor to them. Like, it's exciting. Chases are exciting. Races are exciting. There's stakes embedded in it, right? Oh, yeah. You add the you add freaking one of the Spice Girls, let alone Ginger. Are you kidding me? This Let's is going to go. be a damn good time. The cast sounds fantastic. I'm trying to figure out right now. Are you more or less excited uh, for this than Twisted Metal? Bless? It's, it's a very different <sighs> I'm type more of excited excitement. For Twisted Metal. Yeah, I'm 100% excited for Twisted Metal coming to Peacock at some point. Coming to Peacock. Um, who's the director? Neil Blomkamp for yeah. Gran Turismo. I mean, like, uh, hit or miss a little bit, but, like, the hits are hits. I think there could be some fun there for sure. Yeah. Um, and if they, they do Moon Over the Castle, the Gran Turismo theme, which is too damn epic. Too damn epic. Yeah. They and better I, fucking use it. And I do like the premise. I do like the fact that it's, hey, we're taking this story that was a real-life story of this this kid who grew up with Gran Turismo, ended up loving racing, and then turned that into being a race car driver. Uh, there was that uh, clip that went around last week of the um, – I was at F1. It was like, it was a race that was happening, and one of the races was, like, uh, like far back, right, in placement. And they were like, cool, I need to fucking figure out how to get in the top whatever so I can advance on to the next thing. And so at the last second, he's like – well, I'm gonna do this move that I done that I did in a video game, which is he fucking floored it and like used the wall and the, the curve of the wall to propel him forward and like was destroying his car as he was gaining placement forward and that ended up clutching it for him. And like that is that is a one thousand percent a moment that could happen in this movie, right? Good. Like that is a type of just video Good. game bullshit, just like utterly like you know sports movie type like oh my god how they pull that kind of kind of bullshit that will get you hype in a movie like this. And so. There Did you, you ever see Snakes on a Plane, Bless? I, I never watched Snakes oh, on a Plane, but I know all about do it. Do yourself a favor and watch it one day. I'm going to spoil it for you, though. Do I need to watch Snakes well, on a Plane? I'm going to spoil it for you, and I think the spoiler might make you want to watch it. Um, the plane officially lands at the end of the day and when to, the, the final crew Ooh. is saved <laughs> because Keenan Thompson lands the plane due to his knowledge of playing uh, a plane simulator on PSP. That's awesome. That's okay. You know what? I, 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 that's I also great. have never seen it, but like you, Bless, like I've seen enough of the memes and stuff like that. You get the gist of the movie. Did not know Keenan Thompson was in that movie, though. He was. <laughs> he definitely was. You could have. You could have asked me if T- Keenan Thompson was in that movie, yeah. and it would have been fifty-fifty of me being like, "All right, I know Samuel L. Jackson's in it," and I, my knowledge kind of ends there. I like the scene <laughs> where he's I, like, I, see in my head, it was just Samuel L. Jackson and a bunch of snakes. Yeah. Right. Like, like he was the only passenger on that plane in my head. The thing I know about that movie is Samuel. Jackson was real tired of all of all those snakes there, on that goddamn Claw plane. Clawmaster says there's a literal quote where Samuel Jackson says, "Thank God for PlayStation." Okay, well then That's I gotta watch awesome. it. As the host, as co-host of PSLW, you know I gotta watch that movie. God damn it! Story number four: Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two is killing it in sales. This comes directly from at Benji Sales on Twitter, who tweeted out: "Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two has sold through one billion dollars in only ten days. It's the fastest selling Call of Duty ever. The previous record holder, or the previous record to one billion dollars, was Black Ops Two in fifteen days in 2012. It is now the biggest entertainment launch of 2022, including games, movies, etc. And that came. Uh, he cited uh, the press release on Business Wire. But good for you, Call of Duty." Out there selling numbers. Doing the thing. Doing the thought? damn thing. Modern Warfare 2. Who would have thought that Modern Warfare 2? Who would have thought Modern Warfare 2 <laughs> would sell well? Would sell well, you know? That's crazy. That's crazy. Good for you, Call of Duty, I guess. Uh, you can probably <laughs> look, I guess you can look forward to Modern Warfare 3. I'm actually going to green light that sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim, yes. you know what I want to green light? I want to green light all of you going to patreon.com slash games where you can go and get the show ad free. And speaking of ads, let us tell you about our sponsors. 
Shout out to Shady Rays for sponsoring this episode. Shady Rays has all the essentials you need to make summer complete. Shady Rays sunglasses offer an industry-best combination of fit, style, and performance without the big brand price tag. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection program in all of eyewear. Every pair is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they will send you a brand new pair. They also provide 10 meals to fight hunger in America with every order and have donated over 20 million meals to date. Look good in your shades and feel good by making an impact. If you don't love them, exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There is no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. Exclusively for y'all listening right now, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. You can go to ShadyRays.com and use code KINDAFUNNY for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. And there you go. Check it out. Shout out to Factor, a ready-to-eat meal delivery. They shop, prep, cook, and deliver to your door so you can just enjoy chef-crafted, dietitian-approved meals during the holidays, minus the hassle. Plus, with 34 meals per week, including Gourmet Plus, Keto, Calorie, Smart, Vegan Plus, Plus Veggie, and 36-plus weekly add-ons, you'll have plenty of nutritious, flavorful options to choose from. Moving into the new studio has totally changed Gia and I's day-to-day routine, but luckily, Factors Fresh, never-frozen meals make it easy for her to fuel up fast at home and save time with meals delivered ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. Factor has everything you need for a week of flavorful, nutritious eats. In addition to ready-to-eat meals, they have cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, extra protein, veggie sides, and more. Head to go.factor75.com slash kindoffunny60 and use code kindoffunny60 to get 60% off your first box. That's code kindoffunny60 at go.factor75.com slash kindoffunny60 to get 60% off your first box. And shout out to me, Undies. The holidays are officially upon us, and it's time to start celebrating, like actually celebrating. It's your holiday too, so you should be able to relax and do what you love. If that means watching every single seasonally themed rom-com, so be it. Live your life, do your thing. It's the most wonderful time of the year to try MeUndies because they're currently offering a very merry deal. You can get 20% off your first purchase with free standard shipping and free returns when you go to MeUndies.com slash kinda funny. Y'all already know how much I love MeUndies, even right now. I'm wearing MeUndies socks, I'm wearing MeUndies undies, and this very t-shirt is made of the same soft, beautifully soft micro-modal fabric that MeUndies is famous for. Their undies, loungewear, and sleepwear are made out of the softest, most supple fabric you have ever felt, and that is a fact. They're available in sizes extra small all the way up through 4XL. MeUndies has what you need to make all your favorite people smile this holiday season all in one convenient place. Feel free to start thinking about yourself now. You can get 20% off your first order, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee by going to MeUndies.com slash kinda funny. That's MeUndies.com slash kinda funny. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Kinda Funny Games Daily. It's your guy, Snowbike Mike, Roger McCorney, and my dude, Andy Cortez, taking over story number five, because guess what? This weekend here in sunny San Francisco, League of Legends Worlds took place And we got to go on the side of media so we can tell you all about our experience. So first off, big thank you to Riot Games for sending the three of us over to Worlds during this weekend. It was a ton of fun. And that's what I want to talk about right now, guys, is let's set the stage because there's a ton of stuff to talk about from our experience, of course, our background with League, and what went down in this best of five for the Worlds Championship. So let's go around really quick. 
Roger, yeah. what is your experience with League, and what was your experience like at Worlds? Well, my experience with League is pretty small. I played a little bit in high school because my friends in high school really liked it, and I tried to get into it. Didn't really stick for me, but I played for a good two, three months, uh, and my experience here was great. It was incredible. Like I didn't expect to follow anything that was happening, but I was in it. Like mm -hmm. as soon as that first match ended, and I was like, ah, this might be a little bit of a wash. And then that second match, yeah. which we'll talk about, it was it was an incredible experience. Something I will never forget. It was fully what I believe is the Super Bowl of video games. Oh. Absolutely went the distance, right? Yeah. We had a great five game series underway. Andy Cortez, when we went to the Pre-finals uh, match or press conferences, you said you could go top 10 <laughs> NA, but let's talk about it. What is your experience with League of Legends, and what did you think of League of Legends Worlds? Yes, Mike, yes. I did think that I could go top 10 uh, with at least one month. Give me one month of League of Legends. The game looks insanely easy, um, and I ended up going into that event much like roger i'd never played league i played pokemon unite that's the only am i looking at this camera okay i played pokemon unite and that's the only experience that i had mm. with a moba yes and luckily that experience made the game easier to understand for me where I, when i started making the comparisons and seeing the analogs and what was happening legitimately i had a freaking blast i did not Really know what I was getting into, Mike. I was like, I don't know what's happening with League of Legends. If this were Valorant, if this were Overwatch or another eSport, I would be 100% on board. Here, I want to see Lil Nas X perform, and maybe I'll, you know, see some pop-off moments. But I love the enthusiasm the crowd had when the legend Faker, who is essentially the Tom Brady of eSports, right? The legend Faker when he's just selecting what legend he's going to play, Mike, the crowd goes crazy. Yep, yep. Yep. Like it doesn't matter what he's doing. People are seeing the meta and the amounts of characters and whatever the team composition is being built out. I had a freaking blast and I, I legitimately want to play the game so I could go pro in at least a month, 30 days, 30 minimum. days. Give it 30 to days. him. Yeah. For me, I'm probably the biggest league of legends guy here in the company. I've played a lot of league throughout my years here. And I think League is so fun when you talk to people who play League because it becomes something where you love it, then you hate it, right? Then you love it again, then you hate it. And this it's this on-again, off-again relationship. And so for me, I am really in tune with League. It's been quite some time since I was watching Worlds regularly and keeping up with the LCS here in North America. But, of course, when you talk about bringing Worlds to North America and having it in our backyard in San Francisco, I had to raise our hand and say, hey, we'd like to go and check Check it out. And so we talk about the opening ceremony, right? I encouraged everyone last week, even if you're not a fan of league, it's playing into our advantage here in North America for you United States viewers out there. It's in our time zone. Worlds is one of the biggest esports events in the entire planet. You have a great opening ceremony with Jackson Wang and Little Nas X, who put on one hell of a show. I mean, to the level of what you would see in a Super Bowl performance yeah. to kick this off. So that's must watch. And then on top of that, you had two incredible teams with an awesome storyline in a best of five. 
and it went the distance, yeah. right? And that was something special for me to see, like Andy brought up, Faker, who was considered the GOAT of League of Legends, three Worlds Championships, looking for a fourth, looking to retire on top, going up against DRX, a first-time-ever organization to step in to the finals role. It was the Cinderella story of a team that played all the way through the play-ins to get to where they were against the finals, up against T1, a storied franchise who had a dynasty start and fall in 2017 and looked to regain that right. And now you have a team all about friendship and a team of pros colliding in the rift. And I think we saw something special there. Like Roger yeah. brought up, game one, it was T1. You looked at it and you go, this is what we expected. Game two, we had an awesome back and forth and DRX stole it. And you said, oh my God, we have ourselves a game right now, right? Yeah. Then moving forward, 100%. game three, T1 dominates. Game four, DRX again steals it, right? And we went to game five, and it was one of the most rocking arenas I've ever been into. I've been so many sporting events, 16,000 fans <sighs> screaming and yelling. And this was a series all about face-checking bushes and getting caught, which was fun. Baron steals, incredible Picks and bands. I mean, that final game when they picked the Bard, they picked Kate, and they picked Helcrum, and they went out and absolutely balled out and won. It was awesome to see. So congratulations to DRX. Great event. Andy, what do you got for me before we go? For our audience who didn't understand a single syllable <laughs> of what Michael just said here in the booth, uh, I, I love the way that they set up the storylines for us at that press briefer the night before, where it was the League of Legends staff, and they broke it down how I know, how I prefer it to get broken down. The way normal sports, whenever I'm watching non-esports stuff, and to get me to care, they say, hey, we have the GOAT of esports, Faker, on T1. He also went to school with the leader of Team DRX. The leader of Team DRX never, ever, ever compared to Faker throughout all of his schooling. He was always getting schooled, if you will, by Faker, his whole career. And now they're here, former classmates, and they are they're against each other. And it's like, here's this insane underdog story. And to have the underdogs win was the coolest thing to witness. And you could just see the relief and the weight off their shoulders of like, I've been playing this game my whole I've been playing this game for 12 years since these league tournaments uh, began or whatever. And now I finally got the monkey off my back and we got the win. It was really damn cool to watch. Yeah, that was the most incredible thing for me was that when we went to the media night, they were really sp selling this pitch, right? Yeah. Of like the underdog, the Cinderella story with the goat. And when we saw that first game, we're like, this is, this is going to be a blowout, right? Mm -hmm. And then oh, it, yeah. actually, it, rough, it, actually, it actually came out. It, the the, the, the entire story that they were yeah. building actually happened. And it was incredible to watch because you see lots, a lot of Super Bowls and it's like, okay, we're making a story here, but I don't know if that's actually going to come true. But it did, and it was an incredible moment to be yeah. to be witnessed. I, I kept looking at Roger and be like, "This is rough. <laughs> this is not going to be good." And it was amazing. It was yeah. amazing. Really special time. So thank you to Riot Games for sending us. Thank you, kind of funny best friends, for hearing a little word about some esports. Of course, later on on the Xcast this week, I'll talk to my gaming dads about esports, and of course, the question of could this be the next generation? Because we watch sixteen thousand fans sell out the Chase Arena, right? But there's not many other leagues or esports that can do such yeah. a thing. So we'll talk more esports later on. With, with that, Tim and Blessing coming back for story number six.
Wow, what a transition. Great yeah. job, y'all. You never know what's going to happen on Kind of Funny Games Daily. Too. I love it. Love it, man. Yeah, we had Ovily pop over a couple days ago. Oh, shit. Now I'm all tall. <laughs> now I'm all short. What? Oh, Mike, what do you do? What do you do this year? Story number six. Final Fantasy 16's producer addresses the game's lack of diverse characters. This is Cameron Cock at GameSpot. Final Fantasy 16's setting is heavily inspired by medieval Europe and as such won't be, quote, as diverse as, say, modern-day Earth, according to one of the game's producers. That answer and the game's lack of diversity hasn't gone over well with some of the franchise's fans, uh, sparking more than a few heated conversations on social media. In a new interview... Uh, with IGN, Final Fantasy 16 producer Naoki Yoshida uh, gave a long answer to a question some fans have been wondering since the game's announcement trailer. Are there any people of color in the world of Final Fantasy 16? The game's trailers, to date, have depicted a bloody, dark fantasy tale filled with swords and sorcery, but so far have had a distinct lack of non-white characters. Noting that his answer, quote, may end up being disappointing to some, end quote, Yoshida explained the reasoning behind the game's lack of diversity. According to Yoshida, there is diversity in the game's world of Valistia, but that it's not all-encompassing, and is, quote, synergistic with the setting we've created and is true to the inspirations from which we are drawing. Much of Yoshida's answer as to the lack of the game's diversity is attributed to the team's desire to be true to the medieval Europe inspiration behind Final Fantasy XVI's world. Quote, our design concept from the earliest stages, the development, has always heavily featured medieval Europe, incorporating historical, cultural, political, and anthropological standards that were pre prevalent at the time, Yoshida said. As such, Yoshida said uh, a, quote, over-incorporation of diverse characters into this single corner of a much, much larger world could end up causing a violation of those narrative boundaries we originally set for ourselves. The story we are telling is fantasy, yes, but also rooted in reality, Yoshida said. The team didn't want to assign distinctive ethnicities to either the antagonist or the protagonist of Final Fantasy XVI to avoid inviting unwarranted speculation and ultimately stoking flames of controversy. Yoshida said the team wants, quote, the focus be less on the outward appearance of our characters and more on who they are as people, people who are complex and diverse in their natures, backgrounds, beliefs, personalities, and motivations, end quote. Tim? What a statement. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, you know, I've, there's been a lot of takes on the internet uh, about this this weekend. And I definitely recommend people like go out and try to like scour for them, see them. Because I feel like uh, Tam was saying a lot of really interesting things. And I, I was reading the interview itself from, from Cat over at IGN. And I just feel like there's a lot of really good takes out there on um, how this could have been handled differently, how it should have been handled, all these things, how the game itself should have not been like this in the, the first place. But, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, disappointing, to say mm -hmm. the least. Like, I'm, I'm interested what you think. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it adds a tinge of disappointment to the game for me, right? Because this is one that, you know, jumping into Final Fantasy VII Remake, that was a game that I would say turned me into a fan of Final Fantasy to some degree, right? Obviously, I have a lot to catch up on when it comes to Final Fantasy. But, you know, historically, it's not been a franchise that I've gravitated towards until playing Final Fantasy VII Remake and then going, Oh shit, let me pick up the original Final Fantasy VII and see how that plays. Oh shit, okay, let me pay attention to what Final Fantasy XVI is, right? Let alone Crisis Core, let alone like even the thoughts of returning to things like Final Fantasy XV, Final Fantasy, uh, I forget which one you love a lot. Was 10. it X? Yeah, Final Fantasy X at some point. I, I do want to check that out. For a game that I think has done such a good job of marketing up until this point, right where it is, hey, this is what the game looks like. Hey, these are what these big boss battles look like with the icons. Hey, this is the, the direction we're going for the more fantasy tone. But we are backing that up with production that I think has gotten so many of us here hyped. Uh, this was a this was an unnecessary rake to step on in regards to what their vision for this game is. Because I'm somebody who 
when it comes to fantasy stuff uh, uh, like this, right, I think there becomes this openness in terms of how you can approach creating a world that can feel inclusive, right? Like, I love playing games and seeing myself in those games, right? Like, I love, uh, you know, many people being able to, to, to see themselves in the games they play, right? Like, my friend uh, Yami, I remember uh, months ago when, I forget if it was announced or it was reported about the GTA uh, 6 uh, protagonist and how you're going to be able to play as, uh, I believe, a Latino woman and also a Latino dude. Um, I believe kind of funny.com says you're wrong if I have that um, wrong to, to any extent. But I remember Yami seeing that being like, yo, let's fucking go. Hell yeah. Like as somebody, as a you know woman who lives in Miami who is Cuban, right? She was like, oh, this is my shit. This is what I'm talking about, right? I think representation is so important and provides uh, it, it provides like a connection between the game and the player for so many people. You know, I think back as well to uh, GTA San Andreas and how like for a game that I played back in the day as a kid, right? That was probably the first time I saw myself in a video game. And of course, it's a wild one because that is a game that takes place in fictional California and Los Santos with gang violence and all this shit, right? But for me, what was important was seeing myself and like hearing music that you know, I enjoyed in a video game that I was playing, right? And seeing a culture culture that I was at least at some, um, to some extent, you know, adjacent to, right? Didn't grow up in California, but like, you know, seeing San Andreas, seeing the characters, seeing how they interact with each other was something that was special to me. And the fact that Square Enix, for a studio that is making a game that is fantasy-based, them going, cool, let's stick to these arbitrary restrictions that we've set to ourselves to stick to uh, cultural and historical accuracies for a world that is based in fantasy i think it's an unnecessary rule that kind of paints them into a corner and does and doesn't allow them to really explore what they can explore with you know different types of representation right i think that's unfortunate and i and, and i think it's just an un unnecessary rig like i think for me that makes me less excited for the game i'm still gonna play the game i'm still relatively overall excited for it but this this is a bummer to, to to see this take and it's not the first time we've seen something like this like there have been plenty of games that have been either historical or historical fantasy that have gone this route and every single time i roll my eyes at it and i know there's a large portion of the audience that, that rolls their eye, uh, eyes at it um and so i don't know why they're like yeah let's go this route for final fantasy 16 but I guess it is what it is. It's unfortunate. Yeah. You know, I, I do think, though, that it, it's interesting and important that this is one of the, the bigger times it's happening to a major Japanese AAA release where, you know, for years, I think we've seen steps, not huge changes, but steps towards the changes that need to be made on the Western side of things of at least attempting to have more diversity uh, at every level. And I think that, you know, that starts with just more diverse characters in the game. Then it leads to more diverse uh, people making the games, mm -hmm. all these things. And we've seen steps towards it. So much work needs to be done but we're going towards it unfortunately i think that the japanese side of things is even further behind on that and we're now starting to see this is step negative three of that and we're gonna like start to continue to build i assume uh, i think that the world is changing for the better when it comes to all this stuff uh but yeah it is it's it's a bummer that this was handled this way and, and talked about this way especially from people as revered as this team mm -hmm. um and i hope that they really take this to heart and it's probably too late for this game in particular but i really hope that this this conversation impacts change for the future of Square Enix going forward, not just from the Final Fantasy 16 team, but from all the Final Fantasy teams and all of the teams over at Square, because um, definitely we could see uh, a lot of improvements in, in many different yeah. But, but guys, they want to be rooted in reality because there definitely weren't any people of color in Europe back then. Definitely none. Yeah. My thing all, too. All only white people, definitely. And my thing too is like when 
when it comes to building something like this, right, like a world based in fantasy, based in European fantasy, right, that is taking taking inspirations from a lot of stuff that was built up in the past, right? Like, I'm sure for Final Fantasy 16, they're looking at, all right, what has what does fantasy look like over the years, right? Like, what are the what have been the standards that have been um, uh, cemented when it comes to the, this type of fantasy? And a lot of those standards, unfortunately, were cemented in times that like don't reflect what. Uh, uh, modern day diversity or diversity in general looks like, right? You're talking about a lot of uh, fiction that was created by white folks to represent white folks, right? To not have that kind of diversity. And when it is, when your approach is, cool, let's base it off of that and let's continue that trend. Guess what? You are continuing to, to close that loop, right? And not allowing for more more voices and more representation to be reflected in the work that you're making. I think that's the thing that's, re that's uh, uh, very unfortunate about it. It's the same way that we talk about like, in uh like marvel or whatever right when it is hey oh man you guys are turning this character into a, a, a black character why are you doing that and it's like well think about the fact that when these things first the uh, first came to be when these characters first came to fruition w did they come to fruition at a time where, where it would have been harder to make representation like that work right like is the reason why this character white isn't because that was uh, uh reflective of history or reflective of an accurate depiction of the world or was it reflective of the, of the fact that like you know, white supremacy has existed for uh, uh, generations, right? And that's a thing that a lot of the fiction that we know and love is based in, right? I think finding ways to uh, break that and in turn finding ways to allow people to get into your fiction or get into this genre of fiction because they're starting to see themselves in it more and more, I think that makes things better. Me looking at, uh, um, you know, fantasy and going, man, all right, well, I guess I can just never be represented in it because it was created by white folks and you don't, like, you don't want to change that for whatever reason to reflect your historical accuracy. Well, fuck that. Like, that's Japanese where folks I here, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I look at that, I'm like, well, fuck that. Cool. All right, like, I guess I'm not going to play fantasy. That's my, that's my overall reaction to it. And I think that's the reaction that a lot of people have to it. Yeah, it's unfortunate, and I, I really am hopeful for, for changes and shifts, and it's going to take time, but it takes people like Kat calling them out and asking the questions, right? So 1,000%. Story number seven. Speaking of Final Fantasy 16, uh, Final Fantasy 16 is a PlayStation 5 exclusive for six months. Uh, uh, so marketing claims. This is Andy Robinson at Video Games Chronicle. Final Fantasy 16 will be a PS5 exclusive for at least six months after its summer 2023 release. That's according to a new marketing video published by Sony on Monday, which features Final Fantasy 16 footage along with the disclaimer, quote, Final Fantasy 16 is anticipated summer 2023, PS5 exclusive for six months, end quote. The confirmation potentially paves the way for a PC port of Final Fantasy 16 in 2024. Today, the title has only been announced for PS5. I know that's an odd one to come off, come off the conversation we just had, but for folks who might be looking forward to playing Final Fantasy 16 on other platforms, you might not have to wait too long. Final Fantasy VII Remake still not on Xbox. Yeah, That's Final Fantasy pretty but damn. It, but again, wild. I, I think I think my prediction is probably the correct one. Where back back when, right, where they probably had the inkling that this was going to be a multiple part quote unquote series for Final Fantasy VII Remake, they were like, "All right, they're exclusive until they're all out." Yeah, and I can see that, that too. I, I the wild thing is that Crisis is. Core is coming to Xbox, and uh, and it's so weird, all, like all the platforms. <laughs> That's the thing that makes it. Makes yeah, it see, that's the thing is, I just don't, especially because it came to PC and like Epic and now Steam as well. I think mm -hmm. like, I it's so interesting. I I have no idea. We'll see with, with Final Fantasy 16 to six months. Like that seems 
one of the more arbitrary things I've ever heard, mm-hmm. which I doubt that actually means in six months it'll come out on the other console. I also can't believe we're back to a point that Final Fantasy is exclusive on PlayStation. I will mm. never forget the E3 where Final Fantasy 13 was talked about on the Xbox stage, and that was like a Whoa. excuse me moment. And then here we are now, years, decades, a decade later. God. Man, no, we're getting old, yeah. Time flies. <laughs> Time flies. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at Let's see. Final Fantasy 16 is anticipated summer 2023. PS5 exclusive for six months. I think that might just be the same as the Final Fantasy 7 remake deal to some extent. Because, like, that Final Fantasy 7 Integrade came out a year later, right? Which, who kn- I don't know if we ever got confirmation of what the exact cutoff for exclusivity was. It, mi- it might have been a year, but or it might have been six months, but the game just came out a year later. Or it could have been a year. Who knows? But I would think that maybe this is a... Maybe the fine print says PC can come out six yeah. months, at least six months later. Like but maybe it's a console exclusivity yeah. specific thing, and PC they didn't mind as much on what that happens in yeah. that timeline. Like Xbox could maybe be two years or like until whatever you know. Um, I, I feel the like the fact done. that they announced part two, and like I was expecting when they announced part two, they'd be like, and part one's coming to Xbox. The fact that didn't happen at that same time, like I don't know. I have in my gut that like we're Xbox is not going to see those games until all three are out. Story number eight. Stranger Things VR is coming in 2023. This is Ian Hamilton at Upload VR. Stranger Things VR is coming in late 2023 with one of VR's most innovative development studios making the game in collaboration with Netflix. Tender Claws is developing Tender Claws. <laughs> Tender Claws is developing my big meaty claws. Uh, is developing and publishing Stranger <laughs> Things VR in partnership with series writers uh, to explore Henry Creel's transformation into the villain Vecna. The game is described as featuring psychological horror and action. Quote from the never before seen perspective of Vecna as he explores unknown realities from the hive mind and Nax's plan for revenge against Eleven and Hawkins. Stranger Things VR is coming to major VR platforms in late 2023 and was revealed in a trailer on YouTube. Tim? No, no really quick blessing. What, what, kind of, what kind of claws do you got again? I got big meaty claws. <laughs> <laughs> big meaty claws. What is that from? It's SpongeBob. Yeah, oh, it's SpongeBob. Okay. Yeah. Miss that. <laughs> Tim, you excited for a Stranger Things VR game? I am not, only because I still have not watched Stranger Things, which I Wait, know is really? I know. No I know. Way. It's wild. It That's was extremely when, your shit. I know. Like Stranger it, Things. it came out when Gia went to grad school in Philly. So it was one of those things where we watched Uh, one episode together before she left. And I was like, yo, this show is awesome. And then she was gone. She ended up watching it without me, Mm. without telling Mm. me. And then Mm. here I am like, well, I'm not going to watch it by myself, but I will. We're going to do a rewatch leading into the final season, and I'm going to catch up that way, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. Stranger Things is so good. Uh, It's up there. It's probably one of my favorite Netflix originals. Uh, And I think it's exciting that they're making a VR game. I think VR needs more uh, more bangers. And the way that they describe this, I'm totally down to play as Vecna and, like, experience the turn into Vecna. That sounds cool and terrifying at the same time, Mm. uh, and I'm all about that. Um, And, yeah, the fact that we don't have to wait too long for it, right? Late 2023 coming to major VR platforms. That sounds like MetaQuest. That sounds like PSVR 2, possibly. Uh, And so, hell yeah. And I think that is the exciting thing to me about this is I want to see support for this next gen of VR because if it doesn't happen, this is just simply not going to work. And I think VR is so damn cool. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the experiences are the things that so far I've appreciated the most. Still haven't played Astro Bot, Bot, uh, which I need to do because I know that that is probably going to be the big game changer for me. Um, But in terms of gameplay, it's like, yes, the Beat Sabers are I utterly love them, but the Batman thing was super cool. Doing oh, the yeah. Star Wars stuff, like the experience stuff, schools. I feel like this could be 
this could be great. And like, there's such a love for Stranger Things that if they pull this off right, especially taking advantage of the next gen stuff, it could be really cool. Let's round out the report report with story number nine. Nintendo has announced an Indie World Showcase. Uh, they tweeted out this morning. Tune in. And I have to, like, double read the at now so, to make sure I didn't get got because now anybody can be verified. $8, everybody. Uh, <laughs> tune in on November 9th. At, that's for you, Elon Musk. Uh, tune in on November 9th at 9 a.m. Pacific time for a new at Indie World uh, Showcase featuring roughly 25 minutes of information on upcoming indie games headed to Nintendo Switch. Hashtag Indie World. Hey, Tim, mm-hmm. is this the moment where i'm finally going to get more information on sports story i think it is bless i really do and it's like, been so long <laughs> if not here then where i just want to like, play sports i, know. I just want to play sports and exp- i want to play sports and i want to experience the story is that ah, too much to that you want i get it man <laughs> that's that too it much to two simple I things know, bless. when did golf story come out man the was year that, of the switch the year of the switch Jesus, the switch so summer five years hot switch summer is when yeah, it was when golf that, story man. came out yeah Jesus. yeah i i'm i'm very interested and hollow Knight, i guess too so there's silk song that is potential which at this point i imagine we'll hear next at game awards but maybe not we last heard about it at xbox's showcase at uh, summer, during Summer Game Fest, but it was its own thing, right? Mm. So, I don't know. We'll see. But I've always thought that Hollow Knight was going to get talked about at a Nintendo Direct. Mm. Indie World's an interesting thing, man. Like, I, what's the biggest thing we've ever gotten from an Indie World? Because I, I oh, think man. it was Cadence of Hyrule, which I want to see more of that. I want to see Indie Devs. No, there had to have been something bigger than Cadence. From an, I mean, Indie World's such a weird... Yeah. And also, like, Cadence uh, was big in the sense that, like... No, it, I know, I know, it's, I know. It's rare that we get Nintendo lending out their IPs, especially to right, indie right. developers. I think mm-hmm. that is such a cool idea that I'd really want to see more of. I, I pulled up uh, everything announced in Nintendo's May 2022 Indie World Showcase, which I believe was the previous one. All right, so we're looking at Ooplets, Batura Lost Haven, Elekhead, which I played Elekhead shortly after that. I fucking love Elekhead. Uh, Soundfall. Wild Frost, totally accurate battle sim- simulator. Gumbrella, which oh, was, yeah. that was a good cool one. That was a really yeah, good, was good one. one. Uh, we are OFK. Silt, Mini Motorways, Wayward Strand, Cult of the Lamb, uh, which I, that was just an additional trailer. Uh, another Crab's Treasure, One Shot, World Machine Edition, Gibbon Beyond Trees, uh, Idol Manager, Card Shark, which Card Shark, very cool video game. Curse to Golf, another cool one. Very cool. Uh, a Guidebook of Babel. Opus, uh, and that was the, and, oh, and then in the Japanese one, they had Omori, which is a pretty cool one, and then Undying, and then they had some more games. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. indie worlds have been for a long time now. Like, once Nintendo, because again, remember Nintendo Direct have had a tumultuous history when it comes to the branding of all their things, whether it's a Nintendo Direct Presents, Nintendo Direct Sp- Partner Spotlight, whatever the hell, mm-hmm. Indie World, all the different things that they have. Where we're at now, Nindies used to be a thing. Um, indie World seems to kind of be their one-stop shop for these indie games, and it's of that caliber, right? Mm-hmm. Which I bet you on uh, on November 9th we're going to see this, and it's just going to be a bunch of games where half of them were like, oh, hey, that, that was... People liked that on Steam. Now it's coming to Switch. Or games are like, yo, that looks really cool. We'll hear about it a couple times over the next couple years till they actually come out. You know? What is the temperature check on? We doing a reaction? We we considering? I don't know if we're going to have the time to do it. Okay. But maybe. Stay tuned to Twitter.com slash kind of funny vids. Either way, we do have KFGD at 10 a.m. on Wednesday as of now. And so, like, we can cover it there. Mm -hmm. But stay tuned. We'll see. But, Tim, this Wednesday for Nintendo Indie World Showcase is so far away. Mm. If I want to know what's coming out to the mom and grab shops today, 
Where'd I look? I apologize for that. Sorry. <laughs> I know. Uh, the official list of upcoming <laughs> software across each and every platform is listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show host each and every weekday. Yeah. Out today, we got Banana Hell for, <laughs> for PC, <laughs> Terracotta for PC, and then Soulstone Survivor, uh, Survivors Early Access out today, PC. New date for you. Uh, Overwatch 2's upcoming tank hero, Ramatra, arrives on December 6th alongside Season 2. And then Space Shells comes to Oculus Rift, Valve Index, HTC Vive, and Windows Mixed Reality. They just made that one up. Via Steam Early Access on December 6th, 2022. Now it's time. For a squad up, uh, Joe Mertens writes in to kindoffunny.com slash KHD just like you can and says, this is an unusual but critical squad up request. United States best friends, with tomorrow being the midterm election, is incredibly important to make sure you have a plan to vote if you haven't already. Why is this election so important? There are a great number of election deniers and folks who want to continue to continue this prequel to The Handmaid's Tale who are running for positions of power all the way up and down the ballot in every state, as well as ballot proposals that can have a monumental impact on women's rights and how, to vo- how we vote. Make a plan, uh, do your research, know who you're voting for. Uh, that county clerk position could be the last bulwark, uh, bulwark uh, of s- stopping the slide into a cr- Christo-fascist autocracy. I love the terms that I'm going to use Those are some words, yeah. man. Uh, this is the time to vote for pro-democracy, pro-women candidates, and to make sure your friends are too. Make it happen, best friends. Uh, Joe Mertens, thank you so much for that uh, yep. squad up. Uh, it's a good reminder to go out there and vote. The, mid-terms election, the midterm elections are very important. So get out there and make your voice heard. Now it's time for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong, where you write in, let us know what we got wrong as we got, got it wrong, so we can correct it for those watching later on YouTube and listening later on podcast services around the globe. Literally multiple people wrote in to remind us to vote. So great on you, kind of yeah. funny best friends. Keeping us on our, I was going to say on our toes. That's not what I was looking for. Keeping us honest. <laughs> uh, let's see. Kebabs writes in and says, the E3 where Final Fantasy 13 was announced for Xbox 360 was in 2008, 14 years ago. Whoa, Damn. almost two decades. We're getting there. We're getting there. Damn. Yeah, that's wild. And then, uh, I, I like, bless, let okay. me tell you, I can remember the moment that I, I can remember sitting in the chair that I was sitting in, looking at the 24 inch monitor I was looking at, and the room, like, every single thing about it. I remember that announcement. And, and me and Alfredo were sitting there and just like, how is this real right now? Hell yeah, man. God. Hell yeah. And then uh, new AJ says in chat here says, uh, the male protag pro in GTA 6 is a white dude named Jason. Press X to scream his name. Jason! Thank you, Barrett. Thank you, Barrett. <laughs> what a classic. Speaking of like old classics, uh, what a classic video. Just that, that uh, uh, video of the bug of uh, dude from Heavy Rain like having to say the same name over and over again, hollering for his son. God bless. God bless. This week's host for Kind of Funny Games Daily go like this. Tomorrow, you're getting Greg and me. Wednesday, you're getting me and Greg. Thursday, you're getting me and Tim. Friday, you're getting Tim and me. That's right. We're back at it like a bad habit. If you're watching this live right now, after this, is Kind of Funny Football League with Mike and Andy. If you want to catch that stream later, of course, you can subscribe to YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. Remember, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each weekday at uh, 10 a.m. live right here on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games and Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. Until next time, game daily.